This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. And I've got a good episode for you guys today about the realities of large cap stocks versus small cap stocks. A guy by the name of Stocks for Tendies on Twitter slid into my mentions and he says, Ryan, you should do a podcast on the disconnect between small caps and the major indices. Every day we hear about new highs, but small and mid caps have been going down 5 to 30% for a month. CNBC acts like the whole market needs a correction. Only big caps do. Now, a lot to unpack there because the small caps or the Russell 2000 index, it's not sliding five to 30% a month. I think what he means there is there's a lot of stocks within the Russell 2000 that are seeing declines from anywhere from 5% to 30% in a single month. There's no doubt about it. The large caps, particularly the tech stocks are way outperforming the small caps. I mean, that's just a matter of fact, there's no denying it. And when you drill down into it even further, it's a handful of stocks that are really pushing this market up to new highs on a daily basis, it seems. But first, before I get into that, what am I drinking? Well, trying this new whiskey out. It's a corn whiskey, it says. It doesn't give me much information on it, but it's called Baby Blue. It's made by a company called Balconies. Never had it before. Never tried it. It's 46% alcohol, 92 proof. And like I said, it says it's a corn whiskey made with blue corn. I don't even know what blue corn is. I've never even heard of that term before. Not saying it's not a thing. I'm just saying I've never heard of it. To the nose, I don't know. It's got some vanilla smells to it, a little sweet, uh, kind of a floral smell. Much better color than the, the piss-like colors that was coming from McAdams on my last podcast episode. I'd like to throw it out there, too. If you guys know of a good Canadian whiskey to try, let me know. I'll, I'll see if I can't find it down here in Florida. But i uh, love to see if there's a good Canadian whiskey out there. So shoot me an email if you know of one. But the smells are okay. I, I'm not a huge fan of those floral smells. The last one that had that was Willet. And I thought the Willet even tasted floral, which I thought was kind of on the disgusting side, to be honest. The, the taste is like a, a mild spice. It's very buttery. There was another one that was like that as well, and I don't recall which one it was, but it's very buttery on the lips. It even feels buttery. It's got a little bit of like a moonshine taste to it. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a sipper. It's definitely not an everyday sipper. I would say this is scale of 0 to 10. I'm going to give it a 6-8. I don't think it's horrible. I just wouldn't go out of my way to get it. I mean, if somebody serves it to me at a restaurant, I could do worse. But now, back to the influence of the fang stocks, the big caps the versus the small caps, what are we dealing with here? First of all, I don't know if you've noticed it a lot lately, but there's a lot of negative breadth days. And when I talk about negative breadth days, those are the days where 
you have more declining stocks than advancing stocks. If you have more advancing stocks than declining stocks, that's positive breadth. But when there's more stocks going down than what are actually going up, that's negative breadth. I track it every day. I think it's really important to gauge how strong the market rally is. And a lot of times when you have that negative breadth, that's telling you that the market rally is not going to be that strong. One of the big influencers on breadth is the small caps because there's so many more small caps and mid cap stocks than large cap stocks. Large cap is like the cream of the crop. So when you're seeing the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ composite rally like 1% or 1.5%, and then you're looking at the breadth and you're like, how are we even up today when the majority of stocks are down? I mean, I've seen it, you know, two to one to the downside. I've seen it almost three to one to the downside, yet the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ still rallies. And you'll see like the Russell down one and a half percent. It's a real crazy phenomenon. And you look at it from a just one day here and one day there, and you're thinking, okay, maybe this is just like a blip on the radar. But then you take something like the T2107, which is a chart that I use through TC2000. And that measures the percentage of stocks that are trading above their 200-day moving average. And right now it's trading at 46%. That means with the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ trading just about at their all-time highs, there's been about a four-day pullback on the S&P 500. But even still, we're about 1% off of the all-time highs, yet 54% of stocks are trading below their 200-day moving average. And in the short term, it's even worse. You take something like the 40-day moving average, and you've got only 44% of stocks trading above their 40-day moving average. That means 56% of stocks in the short term are trading below a short-term moving average. Or maybe it's like, some people will call it like a mid-term moving average. But nonetheless, it's a far shorter time frame than 200. So on both the long-term and then the, the shorter time frames, you have a greater number of stocks trading below their moving averages than above them. And it was even worse just like less than a month ago where you had the 2108, again, the percentage of stocks trading above their 40-day moving average hovering like at 28, 29%. So the rally in the last couple of weeks has actually helped that out quite a bit. Now, what are the biggest influencers on the stock market right now? What is the biggest influencers on the S&P 500 and the biggest ones on the Russell, the biggest ones on the NASDAQ? Well, we have to break it down or at least splice it up between the the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 and the small caps. So NASDAQ and S&P 500, you have Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, Tesla, NVIDIA. Now you have what they call the FANG, the F-A-A-N-G, plus Microsoft. So you can call them FANG, FANG them if you want to include Microsoft. You really should include Microsoft because they're the second biggest company out there. So it makes sense to include them. But also people include Netflix because for a long time they were one of the bigger ones. But now you have NVIDIA, which I really think Netflix shouldn't even be in the equation. You're talking about Netflix, which is like a 200 billion plus market cap versus NVIDIA, which is over 560 billion. So that's twice the size. I don't know why we just don't swap out Netflix because NVIDIA has a way bigger influence than Netflix does. And that's mainly because Netflix has been stagnant for the better part of a year while NVIDIA has just gone absolute ape, tripling and quadrupling. But those stocks, and we're not going to include... NVIDIA in it for right now. But those stocks, and we're not going to include NVIDIA in it right now, those stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, comprise of $9.7 trillion in market cap. If you throw in Tesla, that's going to be about 10.3, because 10.4, because Tesla's about a $700 billion market cap. So between 
Seven stocks. You got $10.4 trillion in market cap. Take Tesla out of the equation. The FANG plus Microsoft represents about 25% of the entire S&P 500. That means if those six stocks go up about 2% on a given day and the other 475 go down 1%, I'm no mathematician, but I'm pretty sure that would make it where the S&P 500 would break even. That's kind of crazy, right? I, again, double check my numbers, but when I was trying to do the math earlier today, it, it made sense to me when I was scribbling down the math on that. But uh, that just shows you how big these stocks were. Here's something even more crazier for you guys. Apple, at a $2.6 trillion market cap, has a bigger market cap than all but four countries' GDPs. The only countries with a bigger GDP is Japan at 4.8, Germany 3.6, China at 12.2, and the U.S. at 19.5. Now, we can take it a step further and say that if you take all the Fangham stocks plus Tesla, their combined market cap is bigger than all the GDPs of the countries except for United States and China. That's shocking, right? Huge. Just mesmerizing. And I know GDP is not the same thing as a market cap, but it just gives you a feel for the size and the monstrosity of these FANG stocks. So when most of the stocks are going down, when a lot of your NASDAQ stocks are going down, and when a lot of your S&P 500 stocks are going down, but you're still seeing them printing green, it's because you have FANG stocks and they become a safety play as well. Investors, instead of going towards the traditional utilities, they still do to a certain degree. Utilities like um, Next Era Energy or your staple companies like Costco and Walmart, they're going towards the FANG stocks, the tech stocks. Never really happened before until this post-COVID market that we're in now. Speaking of the FANG stocks, you can head over to swingtradingthestockmarket.com and you will get my weekly analysis on all the FANG stocks plus Microsoft and Tesla. On top of all of that, you're going to get an update each week on the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and the Russell 2000, plus my weekly watch list to get your week started off in the right direction, and my list of trade setups that I'm watching each and every day, plus all the different charts that I find intriguing and worth sharing with you throughout the trading sessions. So does it concern me that we're seeing that? Yes, it does, because it shows that this market isn't really a broad-based rally that that it's experiencing right now. It's not a broad-based rally at all. I mean, yeah, you got a lot of tech stocks that are trading at their all-time highs, but by and large, most of your companies are not trading at all-time highs. We were talking about what was the biggest companies in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. Well, guess what? One of the biggest companies in the Russell 2000s, AMC. And we know why AMC's up, because a bunch of retail investors on Wall Street Bets got it pumped up. So the Russell isn't going to always go up with the NASDAQ and S&P because they don't have the influence of the FANG stocks. They don't have any of the FANG stocks in there because it's only small caps. And I don't really see it getting any better throughout the year end. I mean, Goldman Sachs did an analysis the other day that was saying that there's probably another like 5% worth of market gains based off of buybacks alone. Apple's still buying their, their stock. Plus, you have the Federal Reserve that's buying their debt. And the Federal Reserve isn't doing anything to hamper this market or to, to cause it to sell off. They're not going to taper anytime soon. They're not going to, or at least they're not talking about tapering, and they're not thinking about thinking about raising interest rates. But what do we do as traders? Because a lot of people are getting really nervous about adding any new trades to their portfolios. And to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of adding new long-term investments to the portfolio at this point in time. 
I think the market does need a big pullback before you can really consider new long-term investments. However, from a swing trading standpoint or a day trading standpoint, you fl- go with the flow and you go with the direction that the market's taking you. Right now, you you still see sell-offs, but you're not seeing sell-offs of great depth. And then when you do get them they're on an intraday basis, they're usually recovering about half of those losses before the close. And you need volume for a sell-off. You need panic for a legit sell-off to take hold for there to be day after day after day of sell-offs. Instead, what you're getting is very light volume sell-offs. Microsoft is down six out of the last seven days. You would think a stock that sold off six out of the last seven days would be seeing a correction right now of five to seven percent, maybe even 10 percent. But no, Microsoft isn't even like two percent off of its all-time highs yet. S&P 500, like I said earlier, down four straight days, pretty much still right at their all-time highs. And the remedy, a lot of people think, is that, hey, maybe we should break them up. They're monopolies. They're too big now. But no, it doesn't work that way. What, what would you do if you tried to break up $10.3 trillion worth of market cap? What would that do to the economy? It would destroy it. When you're that big and you have that much influence, they can't break you up. I mean, you got Amazon that's literally trying to take over every business in America. Not from a buyout standpoint. They're just trying to expand into every industry into every sector that there is and who's going to stop them and so i don't really see the the value of these fang stocks relative to the rest of the the s&p 500 or the nasdaq or the russell 2000 changing anytime soon in fact it's probably only going to get worse i would not be surprised to see apple at three trillion before the end of the year and what do you think it means for the the entire market if these six stocks start to see a correction What does it look like if Apple and Amazon and Google and Microsoft pull back 10%? Let's throw Facebook in there too. What happens? A 10% pullback. I would reckon that the entire market is just going to be in complete disarray because their influence is so huge that they're going to sell off, but they're going to take a lot of stocks down with it as well. What if you just had one stock like Apple have a Alibaba-like sell-off? Alibaba, if you remember, one of the biggest companies there was. And then they had this 50% correction. What if what if Apple had that or Amazon or a combination of them did? It could be really, really bad. So I'm not trying to trying to scare you guys. I'm trying to put in perspective the influence that these stocks have on the overall market. It is huge. It's phenomenal. It's like nothing we've ever seen before. But we have seen in the past where you get a handful of companies become the greater part of the overall stock market. And when that's happened in the past, whether it was the dot-com era or whether it was in the 19, late 1920s, it has ultimately led to corrections. But that correction may not come this year, next year, or the year after. It could continue for a long time. That's where they come up with a saying that the market can stay irrational a lot longer than you can stay solvent. is because it can continue on this trajectory for a long, long time. So I think it's important to be cautious. As a swing trader, I think you still have to trade with the direction of the market until there's a legitimate breakdown that can be sustained. Shorting's not going to do you very much good. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to leave a review on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Anchor, whatever platforms allow you to leave a review, please leave a review. If nothing else, please subscribe and uh, make sure that you get notified each and every time that I do a new podcast. I try to do one or two of these every week. So make sure to keep your questions coming my way. Ryan at shareplanner.com. Thank you guys. And God bless.
Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.